Hey there, future fans. This week, we don't have no alibi. Our new house brings old woes, and we run for president. This is the week of May 3rd, 2019, and this is episode 133 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show have you seen endgame yet you, you probably have i know there are quite a few people who are waiting uh, one of my friends from work loves this stuff but he he waited just because he didn't want to uh, have to deal with all the crowds because it does suck and ann and i saw it friday morning because thanks to her random searching we found out that a local theater had added an 11:15 a.m showing on the biggest screen in their theater and so we we snatched up tickets in our regular spot and it was really full though not as full of as we have seen it there probably because a it was a very early showing and b it was a last minute addition but the theater probably made enough from that showing just to make it worth it even then it was still pretty crowded there were a lot of people and when a lot of people get together there's some idiots there who comment on shit and then just add it and clap. If you are a clapper, if you clap during movies, tell me why. No one that made the movie is there to appreciate your clapping. Why do you clap? It's useless. She brought up another good point. Do you clap at home? Do you watch a movie for the first time at home and you're like, oh yeah, that was good. Do you clap after listening to this show? Because that I would understand. I would understand and support. Me, a hypocrite? No, 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 never. But when we were watching the movie, the, the crowd was pretty good. Uh, there was a baby, and if you take a baby to a movie that's not a kid's movie, go f*** yourself. Just because it's rude to other people. And especially if you see this action movie where there's, where there's going to be explosions and fighting stuff. Sh that would scare a baby. I've heard the argument that, that people say, oh, I don't get to do anything that I had a baby now that I've had a baby. Boo f***ing who? Okay, you have a baby. Now you have to be considerate of other people too. Don't take your baby to a fine dining restaurant. If you want to go out to eat, go to a f***ing diner or something where people expect that sh You know what my parents did when they wanted to see a movie but couldn't get someone to watch me? They f***ing didn't watch the movie. Good God, what's with people? I, I don't get it. I just don't. And if you're sitting back thinking that you have some good reason to bring a baby to a movie that's, again, not a kid's movie, even though a baby can't appreciate a kid's movie, I give an exception to that because it's a kid's film. that They're, they're not going to have the quietest audience ever. So if a baby starts fussing, no one's really going to give a shit. I remember when I saw The Dark Knight in theaters, someone took a baby, and this was a midnight showing, and that person, I believe, should have got kicked in the teeth. And just reminded me that when we saw Wish Upon, someone brought a baby. Like, really? What, what kind of idiot are you? If there is really no one in your life that A, could watch the kid, or the B, that you would trust with your kid, then I, I'm sorry. Don't watch the film. But we were lucky. The baby didn't fuss too much. Uh, fuss a little bit, not a lot. And there were people that whenever someone would tell a joke or something, someone would comment, go, oh, you go, girl, or some shit like that. It's like, do you think you're clever? Do you really think you're that funny that your words are so golden? 
that it's worth interrupting the movie for, you big-headed piece of sh**? Is that really what you think? I thought about this before. Like, why do I get so riled up about certain things? And this is one of them. And because it's common courtesy, because it's not hard. It's not a difficult thing to do. Don't talk in a movie. Turn your phone off or silence it. Don't bring your phone out to look at. Don't bring a baby. If you bring your own food, don't make it something super noisy. Basic stuff that is not difficult to do. So I think that's why I get so angry when people break these rules. Isn't that really the downside of these big movies when everyone wants to see them opening weekend just because it's... You know, it's great. It's great to be able to see a movie opening weekend and talk to your friends about it. Be able to discuss something when it's the hot topic. Anne has had two friends already who have spoiled something for Endgame on on Facebook. And a YouTuber, apparently, has already spoiled it. And she is much nicer than me. She is, she is a kind person. For me, if a friend of mine on Facebook, even a family member did that, I would say, f*** you, and I would unfriend them. That's not the kind of person you want in your life. That's not the kind of poison you want in your life. And any YouTuber who would be so insensitive to do something like that, I would just go, nope, unfollow. You're, you're sh**. She corrected me. Apparently it was in the comments. So the YouTuber is without fault. In the comments, someone said, oh, this makes me, I, I won't quote it exactly because, hey, I'd be spoiling it for you and I am not going to do that. Uh, but enough about that. Let's talk about something else, like um, my spoiler-free Avengers Endgame review should be out by the time you hear this, hopefully, and I should be hard at work at, on my spoiler-filled Avengers Endgame thoughts. So when you check out my Avengers review, please know that it will be 100% spoiler-free, and when you check out my Endgame thoughts blog, it will be full of spoilers, and I will make that very obvious before like once you click on it the first thing you should see would be will be some big spoiler warning so if you do read something it's on you well ladies and gentlemen we do have a big week of movies um i'm surprised that there's so many coming out this week i thought it would be another slow week and then next week there'd be a ton just because i know a lot of people would have seen endgame already but there's still people who are waiting and and people see like maybe what one movie a week if that so not the best time to release a movie, but there are there are some good things coming out this week. So in case you did want to see something new and you already saw the end of the Infinity Saga, then this should be a good week for you. Let's get the opening housekeeping out of the way. I am Billiam. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. Thus, I talk about all the flicks that are coming out in the future. On this show, we do a few things. We start out with some rambling which usually doesn't take up to what we're at the seven minute mark now usually doesn't take that long sometimes it does depends depends what i have on my mind when i start the show then we get into the news which is any news that has caught my eye since the last episode then we get into the trailers which are any trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode and if i miss any news or trailers you think i should have talked about please let me know and then we get into the movies which are broken up into two categories the first category is the limited releases these are any movies that are getting a limited theater release that i don't think warrant much talking about as in i don't think they're going to be very good or i just don't have much to say about them so i will tell you what the movie is who's uh, what it's about and who's in it and then we'll move on. Sometimes I'll give a few thoughts, but I won't give a score. The scores come in in the next segment, which is the wide releases and in interesting indies. That should be very self-explanatory, as it's any wide releases and... I know you know it's coming, but you know you love waiting for it. Interesting indies. Those are any indie movies that have caught my eye somehow 
usually for the better, usually because I think they're good, because I, I'm kind of done purposely finding movies to bitch about. I will still bitch about movies. I will. I, if you have listened to the show for a while, you know I will still complain. But it did strike me as a little try-hardy to try and find ones to rant about and purposely put them in that section. So no more of that. I haven't done that for a while, and I'm, I, I think the show's better for it. But in this segment, I will tell you what the movie is, what it's about, who's in it, and then my thoughts on it, as well as the billium interest level score, or the bill score. That can go anywhere from a 0 for those terrible movies to an 11 for those movies that take it up that extra notch. And... Like I like to remind you, every so often, all of my thoughts are based only on the trailers. I don't have any insider information. I know anything that you would know by just a little research and a little time spent on YouTube and IMDb. Why listen to the show, you may ask, if you can do it yourself. I do this so you don't have to. You're welcome. How do you listen to the show? Well, you've done a good job thus far, but in case you want to find other ways, you can find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app. You can also find me on the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. You can also find all the blogs I write or will continue to write as I haven't posted one in over a week, I think. And you can also find me on Facebook, though Facebook will just link you to the website. I would love it if you would take some time out of your day, spend some precious minutes on giving the show a rating, I would love five stars, please, and then share the podcast with your friends. Well, that's it for the opening housekeeping. I try and keep a little shorter than the last bit, and I want to say a quick word about Spotify. So I was talking to Chris about this, and apparently he didn't pull any Snarf Chris magic to get us on Spotify. And if I remember right what he said, and if I do remember it right, that you need at least a certain number of listeners to get on Spotify before Spotify will bring you on. So I would just like to thank you all. I want to thank you because this is something that we couldn't have done. We couldn't have just petitioned Spotify going, hey, please carry us. They would have gone, no, look at those numbers, bitch. Go F off. And we would cry. But now all three of the shows on the network are on Spotify. So I just want to take this time to thank you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for coming back each and every week. Even if this is your one and only show, even if you're done listening to this, you're like, no, I don't think I'll continue. Thanks for at least trying. Maybe still recommend me. Maybe consider still giving me five stars. I don't know. Maybe I can convince you. But I just want to thank all of you for the support. It really does mean a lot. We are still, the whole network is still far away from making, you know, making a living from this. But God, you know what? It still blows our minds getting to where we are now. And this is a labor of love. I do do this. We do our shows because we, we do enjoy it. But really, if we had no feedback, if we had no listeners, if we really didn't get anything back from anyone else, I think we all may have quit by now. Because even though we love what we do, you need something. It is a give and take, mainly give on our parts. But still, really, thank you. So without further ado, let's get this sentimental taste out of our mouths and let's jump into the first segment, which as always is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. Our first story comes to us from Hollywood Reporter. There's a Rugrats live action movie, my God, that lands David Bowers as director. David Bowers has directed 
three of the Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies, so this makes me think that he knows a thing or two about kids' movies, as that has been a, a somewhat successful movie series. I know it's based off a pretty successful children's book series, and it turned into a mildly successful movie series. The Rugrats live-action movie is set to release on January 29th, 2021, and it claims, and here's the possibly terrifying part, it claims to be live-action CGI hybrid. So here's my question. A very, very, very important question. Where does the CGI come into play? Because if it's just like, if they're just doing an updated version of something like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where they have all these actors, or I'm assuming very young actors, playing Tommy, playing Chucky, playing the twins, playing Angelica, but they just make them the world, the, the set and everything look different to go, oh, hey, these are really little kids to see through their eyes, then that's one thing. But if I'm going to see some ugly ass CG Chucky with his chunky mashed potato head that is going to be f***ing terrifying either way we will still not see anything about this movie for a while since the release date is so far in the future and it just got a director uh probably maybe this time next year we'll start seeing stuff about uh, about this movie coming out Ladies and gentlemen, the next story comes to us from ET Online. Vin Diesel is now going to be in the Avatar sequels. Well, at least the at least the first sequel. And he says that the only reason or actually the main reason he's doing it is because Zoe Saldana is in it. Vin Diesel, Zoe Saldana, of course, have worked together on Guardians of the Galaxy. Though in the article, E.T. does go on to say that while Vin Diesel isn't actually on set as the movie's being made, he has formed friendships with the actors, probably because they have to do all the interviews together and, and photo shoots and things like that. And he says the one he's closest to is Zoe Saldana, thus why he's doing the next Avatar movie. The next Avatar movie is set to come out in December of 2020. And it looks like 2020 is going to be a big year for Vin Diesel because also Fast and Furious 9 is coming out then. So next year is a big year for Vin Diesel. In other news, this next story from a mix of Digital Spy and Bustle, both Spider-Man Far From Home stories. The part from Digital Spy is about if you live in the UK, then you may have known or you may not know that the release date for Spider-Man Far From Home has changed. It is now on the same day as the American release, which is July 2nd this year. So just heads up on that. And the, the story from Bustle, this is something I talked about last week, and I, I just want to talk about a little bit. A little bit more now is that in an interview with Newsweek, Marvel Cinema President Kevin Feige said that Far From Home is the end of the third phase. And so I just want to reiterate what I talked about last week, which is why? Why are we doing this? When you see Endgame, or if you, if you have already seen it, then you already know how this is a really good ending to phase three. It's a really good ending to the saga. Uh, the Infinity Saga, which has incorporated the last three phases. So to end on a movie that's probably going to be great. I, I'm really looking forward to this. This movie's looking good. But still, to end on this movie that's not really going to have any sense of an ending, really, is so weird. Why not have it be the first movie of phase four? That would make so much more sense. I want to know what you think about this. Does this bother you at all? Do you think it's a good move? Do you think it's a bad move? You know what? Hit me up. Let me know in the comments. Uh, tweet me. Hit me up on Instagram. You know, all the usual ways. Ladies and gentlemen, you may have heard 
that there was going to be a movie based on a popular Patrick Ness series, the Chaos Walking series, and that the first movie is going to star Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, and Ray herself, Daisy Ridley. Well, apparently it's being pushed back because the movie was screened for studio heads who decided the movie was unreleasable, that it was in really rough shape. This is why Tom Holland couldn't be on the red carpet for the premiere of Avengers Endgame because he is with director Doug Lyman, who previously directed Edge of Tomorrow, and they're working on $100 million worth of reshoots. So I'm wondering if this Doug Lyman guy f***ed this movie up so bad, why do they still have him on these reshoots? If he couldn't do it right the first time, what makes you think he's going to do it right the second time? Like, is spending $100 million on reshoots the best idea? Shouldn't they just bring in a different director for the reshoots? Just like they did with, oh god, was it was it Suicide Squad or was it Justice League where, I think it was Justice League, just like with Justice League where they had someone else come in to do the reshoots. I think that would be the better option here if this guy f***ed it up so bad that it's deemed unreleasable and pushed back to at least 2020. Anyway, that story comes to us from io9. This next story comes to us from Entertainment Weekly. Apparently, we now know some things about Bond 25. We already knew that they probably threw a shit ton of money at Daniel Craig because he hates the series, hates the character, but came back anyway, so they probably made him an offer he couldn't refuse. But now we know that this will be directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who directed Beasts of No Nation, and also actors added to it are Rami Malek, Billy Magnuson, and Jeffrey Wright. Returning, we have... Leah Seydoux, Rafe Fiennes, Ben Wishaw, Naomi Harris, and I believe that's it for the returning cast. So yeah, we will see this movie apparently on April 8th, 2020. We have one more story about Spider-Man Far From Home. That's not a real story. I just thought it was fun that apparently Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal got along so well that their bromance became a problem on the set of Spider-Man Far From Home. It turns out that Jake Gyllenhaal is one of Tom Holland's acting heroes, and the two hit it off and became fast friends. And their friendship became a problem when they would just start to bust up laughing or do other stuff that would hinder filming. Well, ladies and gentlemen, have you heard about the Avengers Endgame box office weekend? Uh, it, it has decimated box office records, according to Sci-Fi Wire, with a staggering $1.2 billion opening. According to The Wrap, they have broken 144 box office records, including 12 records for advanced ticket sales, 44 opening weekend records, 29 single-day grossing records, highest global opening for IMAX and 3D formats, 50 IMAX opening weekend records, fastest to 100 million domestic and 1 billion worldwide, largest ever Thursday preview, largest wide opening per screen average, largest combined domestic weekend of, of all time, largest global opening of all time. And it looks like that's it so far. If you want more details, you can find the article on The Wrap. But we knew this was going to be big. We knew this movie was going to be huge, and it is it's the biggest. Well, two more stories before we move on. This next one comes to us from Flickering Myth. Dennis Villanueva's Dune will span two movies. The sci-fi classic is going to be a twofer 
which I think would only benefit it so we can get more of the original content from the book onto the silver screen. The final story is aimed at you parents. Hey, do you like going to take your kids to see movies? Are your kids going to be home for this summer because you're not sending them to summer camp or something? Well, AMC has a deal for you. And I'm going to quote this part of the Lifehacker article verbatim just because it's easier this way. So from now until when school's back in session, AMC is offering admission to kid-friendly movies, popcorn, a drink, and a pack of foodie tooties, whatever the f*** that is, for $4 a child plus tax. This deal is only valid on Wednesdays and is part of AMC's quote-unquote summer movie camp promotion. So while it does limit the kind of movies you can take your kids to, hey, $4 for all of that, uh, true, it'll probably be a really small drink, a really small popcorn, and a really small whatever a fruity tootie is, but it's a movie for 4 bucks. That's something. So just something to keep in mind if you live near an AMC theater and if you have kids. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Let us jump into everyone's favorite segment, the trailer trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. All right, folks, you may have seen this first trailer when you saw Avengers Endgame because it was one of the movies I saw. We have a brand new trailer for Godzilla 2, King of Monsters, and oh my God, I need this in my life right now, right now, because now that Avengers Endgame has happened, this is probably what I have the biggest movie hard on for. This comes out May 31st, 2019, and let's be honest, you know what kind of movie this is. You really do. You know that this is a CG slugfest, that this is this is just fancy graphics and monsters battling monsters. That is all this is. And riddle me this, do you care or do you just want to go into this movie with your drink, with your popcorn, with your snack, with your friends, and watch this, what could be the greatest kaiju movie of all time. This film is going to be great. And the pure, the purest definition of fun. And watch this new trailer and then just listen to that slow piano version of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. It's just haunting. Oh my God. I cannot wait. And I I bet you, I, I don't know what other movies are coming out on the 31st, but so far it's looking like Godzilla King of Monsters is going to be the, is going to be the pick that week. But hey, I've been surprised and you've been surprised when I've picked something else other than the obvious one. But come on. I mean, come on. The next trailer we have is another one that premiered during Avengers Endgame, and it's the brand new trailer for Men in Black 4. And in this one, we see a lot of the same scenes, but we now see a little more. We now, we now know a little bit more about the story. We know that Tessa Thompson's character, that she found out about the Men in Black when her parents had their memories wiped, but they missed her. So she has spent her life since she was a little girl trying to find the Men in Black, has since found them and said, hey, I found you. That should be a clue that I'm good. Hire me. We see a little bit more of Kamal Nanjiani's character that's, that he's doing the voice of, this tiny little alien. This movie just looks really funny, and it looks like that director F. Gary Gary and the writers understood what they needed to do to make Men in Black relevant again. It's just not even try to go back to the previous story. No, just start 
again because there's so much potential from the men in black series i i liked the first three i did i i really did but now we have we, we have to move on and they got two great actors two great actors that have chemistry together and got an ensemble cast for the rest this looks really good and we will all see it when it comes out june 14th next up we have the first trailer for gemini man starring will smith this is an action sci-fi movie where he has to kill himself or at least he's trying to kill himself but not in the way you think not in a seven pound sort of way and i'm happy to admit that that's spoiler even follows Critter's 10-year moratorium. This is the new movie directed by Ang Lee and is set to star Will Smith, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, Clive Owen, Benedict Wong, and that's actually it for the big names, but this is about a guy who is having to hunt down someone, finds out it's him but older, and then so they, I guess they figure out what to go, where to go from there. I'm really excited for this because I like Will Smith, but I think he's been choosing maybe not the best roles. I mean, he, he doesn't do any bad work. Uh, Collateral Beauty, eh, Suicide Squad, eh, Focus, eh, After Earth, no thank you because Jaden's in it. But this role looks really good. I'm really excited to watch when, watch this when it comes out on October 4th, 2019. Speaking of Will Smith and not looking that bad, we have another trailer for Aladdin. This one shows us a couple new scenes and then a lot more of what we already knew we were seeing. And the more and more I see about this, the more my fear and my trepidation is just going away, the more I want to see this. I think that scene, the blue genie version of Will Smith was so shocking and so it looked so bad that I think I was less willing to go into the trailers with an open mind. But as more and more trailers come out, I'm really liking it. I think this is going to be really good. And I just can't wait to hear all those great songs just one more time. Aladdin comes out May 24th. Uh, this next trailer isn't a movie, but I just want to talk about it because it looks awesome. And it's a trailer for Swamp Thing. And I never thought this was a good idea from the get-go. But after seeing the trailer, it looks really good. And it's from executive producer James Wan. And it just has this wonderful, slight horror vibe to it. Slight. I, I wouldn't call this a horror show at all. But it just it, you can tell that this is a James Wan project. Of course, this is a DC original, so it's probably going to premiere on the DC streaming service. So I wonder how many of us will actually get to see this. All right, folks, two movies left in the trailer trove. And the next one comes to us from the Russo brothers, kind of. It is produced by the Russo brothers. It is directed by Brian Kirk, who has done some episodes of Penny Dreadful, some episodes of Game of Thrones, Boardwalk, Boardwalk Empire, Dexter... And this stars Black Panther himself, Chadwick Boseman. Also stars Sienna Miller, Taylor Kitsch, J.K. Simmons, Keith David. And this is a very awesome looking crime drama about this guy. Chadwick Boseman plays this cop who hunts cop killers and brings them to justice. And one day on the island of Manhattan, there is a shootout between some armed robbers and eight cops. Eight cops are killed. They bring this guy in and they said, hey, we, we need to catch these people. And the guy says, hey, look, if we don't catch these people within the first so many hours, they'll disappear. So here's what we do. We close down Manhattan and there are 21 bridges in Manhattan. Thus, the movie 21 Bridges. And the film is about the hunt for the killers. And I, I can't wait. I really like Chadwick Boseman. And this looks really good. This comes out July 12th. And ladies and gentlemen, the final trailer is from a Netflix original movie coming out in sometime in June. It's called Murder Mystery. And this is an action comedy 
starring Jennifer Aniston and Adam Sandler together again as a, as a couple. And they are on vacation and they meet up with Luke Evans, this really rich person who invites them into his world and go on his yacht, blah, blah, blah. When they're out on the ocean, there's a murder and everyone on the boat says that the two Americans did it. So then they have to prove that they didn't do it. So they go out to do that. Adam Sandler's a detective and his wife, played by Jennifer Aniston, is an avid reader of murder mysteries. And this is the perfect movie for a Netflix original. It looks good but just good enough to watch on Netflix. Not good enough to go to the theater to. It looks entertaining, but well worth a random watch at home. When I find out a proper release date, I will let you know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the trailers. Let's jump into our first break where we hear a word from our friends at Nerds of the Squared Circle and the Somewhat Nerdy Radio Podcast. Please stay tuned. <laughs> Are you troubled by a lack of common interest in your social sphere? Do you experience feelings of nostalgic sentiment in your day-to-day -day life? Do your family or coworkers not understand your quotes, quips, or references? If the answer is yes, then don't wait another minute. Pick up the phone and download the nerdiest professionals in the galaxy. Somewhat Nerdy Radio. Our nerdy and informative hosts are available 24 hours a day on your favorite podcast app to fill all your super nerdy needs. Good, Good journey, journey, nerds. Download and subscribe Somewhat Nerdy Radio, Future Flicks with Billiam, and Nerds of the Squared Circle on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast app, or stream us at somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on somewhatnerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of somewhatnerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me... Snarf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds in the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds in the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, and we are back with the limited release movies. This really isn't a bad week for movies at all, despite the fact that this is post-Avengers Endgame. In fact, the week after Avengers Endgame, as I've already mentioned, I'm surprised that there are good-looking movies coming out this week, just because you would think that this would be the week that the throwaway movies would come out. In fact, there are over double the amount of wide releases and interesting indies than there are limited releases. There are five limited releases and 11 wide releases and interesting indies, so this week I will I will put the second and final break within the wide releases somewhere. So for now, let's talk about nonfiction, the first limited release. Set in the Parisian publishing world, an editor and an author find themselves in over their heads as they cope with middle age crisis, the changing industry, and their wives. This is a French film that stars Guillaume Canet. I, I think that's how you say it, because there's a T at the end of Canet. But you don't pronounce T's in French, right? Or, or is that just certain things? Whatever. But that person was in The Beach. And Juliette Binoche from The English Patient. Uh, this movie didn't look as weird as some French films can. And don't get me wrong, if, if you haven't heard my speech on the French before and their movies, don't get me wrong, but there are usually two types of French films that make it over here. Just like there are two types of any country's films that make it over here. But with France, it seems to be either the super weird ones or the ones that are going to be low-key art house hits. Uh, this one looks like 
it falls somewhere in the middle because it doesn't look that good. And it's also super old fashioned. I don't know when it takes place, but they're complaining that everyone reads Kindles are on their phone now. And the Kindle complaint just seems like a very old person thing to complain about. With no offense meant to my wife who hates Kindles. <laughs> in her defense, and, and quoting her, she says, she's not old, she's Welsh. All right, but basically, no, let's pass on this film. Next is one called Bardo Blues. This is a story of a mentally ill young man attempting to come to grips with his haunting past by seeking solace and understanding in the unfamiliar Eastern culture of Thailand. And this movie really had promise. It, it really did, but the, the trailer just didn't interest me at all. But the, the premise, the it, it had promise. It had the ability somewhere to be a good movie. And maybe it still is. We don't know. Next up is a film called Tell It to the Bees. In 1950s small-town Britain, a doctor develops a relationship with her young patient's mother. This stars Anna Paquin from True Blood, Holiday Granger from Cinderella, and Amun Elliot from Prometheus. And I couldn't recommend this movie. I feel like we've seen this before. I, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, but it feels like this premise of a gay couple in old-timey Britain, old-timey America, old-timey anywhere, just getting lots of hate because they're gay, seems like such an old movie. And I get that it's still an important story to tell, just like it is with racism back in the day and how it sheds light on racism today, but do something else to spark interest in this. Come on. Next up, we have a film called Room for Rent. A lonely widow, Joyce, rents out a room in her house and becomes dangerously obsessed with one of her guests. This stars Lynn Shay from Insidious. And I'm really sad I don't want to see this because I love Lin Shay a lot. And finally, in the limited releases, we have a film called The Convent. Set in the 17th century, a young woman is saved from execution and led to a priory to repent for the sin of becoming a necromancer. But she discovers great evil lies within. This stars Claire Higgins from Hellraiser, Rosie Day from a few episodes of Outlander, and Michael Ironside from Top Gun. And I'm very sad to see that Top Gun 2 is not on Michael Ironside's IMDb page. You know, and I just look into it. Even Tom Skerritt isn't going to be in, in Top Gun 2. I mean, true, they could have turned the movie down. But come on, Michael Ironside is still really like acting in a lot of movies. They just look crap. I think he would have jumped at the chance. Anyway, comment looks terrible. I really don't think in 17th century England they would have given a necromancer a second chance. Hell, they barely gave witches a second chance, let alone a f***ing necromancer. And then we're surprised she's sent to this convent with other nuns who have done necromancy and evils within? Weird. Anyway, that is it for the limited releases. Let us jump right into the wide releases and interesting indies where we have quite a few films to talk about. And I will talk about five of them five of them before we take our break so let's start with a film called the last summer four friends come together during the summer the summer before they all head off to college the summer they have to pick their paths in life will their paths take them in opposite directions or will they move towards each other this stars kj appa from riverdale maya mitchell from the fosters jacob Lattimore from detroit halston sage from the orville and Tyler Posey from Teen Wolf, the TV show. And just like that weird Netflix dating movie that came out a couple weeks back, there's just something about this that spoke to me. We have seen this movie a ton of times before. We, we have, but there's just something cute about this. And this movie did something 
that Tell It to the Bees couldn't do. Where I watched a trailer for Tell It to the Bees, I was just like, eh, it didn't entice me into seeing that. Where this one, even though it's just as cliche, if not more, than Tell It to the Bees story, this one just looks, it looks better. It looks like they didn't even try to take it too far from the classic equation and they just focus on having fun it felt like when i watched the the trailer for tell it to the bees it it felt like they were trying to make oscar bait and with the last summer you can tell that none of these even thought once that they're gonna get any nominations for this this is a netflix original movie so once friday hits you can watch this right away we have two documentaries to talk about Two of them that I think look really interesting, and one of them is going straight to Hulu, so let's talk about that one first. This is a Hulu original documentary called Ask Dr. Ruth that chronicles the incredible life of Dr. Ruth Westheimer, a Holocaust survivor who became America's most famous sex therapist. And this stars Dr. Ruth. We all know Dr. Ruth. Yay for Dr. Ruth for having a TV show that, all joking aside, talks honestly, spoke honestly about sex and not even in a lecherous sort of way she wasn't you know she wasn't trying to get people to watch by by selling the sex per se she was selling knowledge and she talked about stuff like that about sexuality and made it okay before it was even really a thing and god she was hated for what she did how many religions out there make us ashamed of our bodies ashamed of sex going we shouldn't want something like this we should do it to procreate and then that's it otherwise you're going to hell and i think what made it better is that she was an adorable old lady and just hearing this old lady say words like penis vagina dildo and stuff like that with her german accent just made it so much better and i think this is going to be really really interesting not just because it's going to talk about the show that let's be honest a lot of us grow up maybe not watching a lot but we saw an episode growing up unless you're not from america of course then you're like what the is this guy talking about but if you're an american you know dr ruth even if you don't know her name just watch a clip and you're like oh yeah i I remember this but this looks really interesting because it will tell her story that we never heard a lot about unless you like searched it out i'm not sure if she wrote a biography or something or autobiography or anything but unless you searched it out you couldn't find it but now you can ask dr ruth gets an eight out of eleven and i never gave last summer a score so uh, let's fix that with the last summer gets a 6.5 out of 11. Let's move on to our second and final documentary. Hold on, let me make sure. Yep, final documentary. This one is called Meeting Gorbachev. This is a documentary from filmmaker Werner Herzog, where he sits down and interviews Mikhail Gorbachev and looks into Gorbachev's history, his effect on the time, and his legacy. All right, let's talk about a potentially super interesting documentary for anyone even remotely interested in history or any of us who may have lived through this time like i am right on the cusp of okay this is interesting i just looked up what generation i am and according to uh, quite a few sources but i'm going to cite this article by the atlantic i am within three generations and thus probably so are a lot of you so Generation X goes from about, about 1965 to 1984, which, yay, is me. Generation Y can go anywhere from the mid-1970s 
Okay, so within Gen X, Gen Y can go anywhere from the mid-1970s to the mid-2000s. But The Atlantic is calling Gen Y fake and made up. But other sites are claiming that it's real, so whatever. And then millennials are anywhere from 1982 to 2004. And there's no note here about millennials being a made-up generation. So even if we ignore Generation Y, anyone born in the early 80s could potentially be both Gen X and a millennial. So good for us, right? Anyway, those of us, especially Gen Xers, but even some millennials may remember this time. He was in office from March 15th, 1990 to December 25th, 1991. That is as the president of the Soviet Union. But I, I just really want to see this, this documentary done by a well-respected director. And the director is interviewing Gorbachev himself. So it's the story of this well-known huge name in politics from that time even though he was only in power for one year as president huge name i think this looks really good and i normally say i only watch nature documentaries in in theaters but this one looks like something you could make an exception for meeting gorbachev gets a nine out of eleven so, ladies and gentlemen, quick note about this next part. Uh, if I sound a little different, it's because I have a cold and I was editing the show. Luckily, the, well, almost luckily, the cold came up after I was done recording, or so I thought. When I was editing, and actually, I had to do the question of the week as well, but when I was editing, I found a chunk missing that I know I recorded, but I don't know where it went. So these next few movies, even though they're in the wide releases and interesting indies, I'm going to breeze through them a bit to save my voice. So the next film we have to talk about is called Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile. A chronicle of the crimes of Ted Bundy from the perspective of his longtime girlfriend Elizabeth Klopfer, who refused to believe the truth about him for years. This stars Zac Efron from The Greatest Showman and Lily Collins from Mirror Mirror. Alright, fun fact about this, um, because in the premise I gave you, the girlfriend's name is Elizabeth Klopfer. Klopfer, but if you look on IMDb, the character Lily Collins plays is Liz Kendall. So it turns out, after the trial, Elizabeth Klopfer published a book about this, I believe, and went by the pseudonym Liz Kendall to, you know, protect herself, because there were still people out there who she thinks would harm her because of how much she protected him. Now that it's all out in the open, it's no longer a secret who she is. But this is a really buzzworthy movie. It had been talked about for quite a long time, especially because when they were starting to do this film, they started to release pictures of Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. And even though Zac Efron has long since left the high school musical scene, he has kind of stayed in a niche of sorts. He has he has dabbled in other things from here and there, but he has always played the kind of the handsome idiot or the handsome playboy or something like that. And now he's going almost completely out of his wheelhouse. Because there's something interesting to remember about Ted Bundy. It's that he was very charismatic and he got people on his side. And it wasn't until that it became clear that all of these crimes were really him, that he did do it, that his fan base started to shrink. I wish you could say that his fan base disappeared, but unfortunately that's not the way that went. And there has been a lot about Ted Bundy coming out recently. And this is just the, I think this is the biggest one. We, we've had other things. We've had shows. We've had smaller movies. But this is the big one. I think this looks really good. Uh, I want to watch it. But again, nothing to watch in theaters. This is something to watch at home once a streaming service picks it up. The good news is we know which streaming service that is as this is a Netflix film. 
So this is getting theater time. I'm not sure how big of a theater run it's getting. I know it's going to be in some theaters. But the good news is with a film like this, like I say a lot, this isn't something that needs to be watched in theaters. You can watch this at home and get the same enjoyment out of it. It's not like there's big special effects, like there's amazing soundtrack that you need the surround sound for. It's something that will be just as enjoyable at home. This looks good, not great. Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil and Vile gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a movie called Bolden. This is a mythical account of the life of Buddy Bolden, the first cornet king of New Orleans. And this stars Gary Carr from The Deuce, Eric LeRae Harvey from Luke Cage, Ian McShane from John Wick, Michael Rooker from Guardians of the Galaxy, and Yaya DaCosta from Chicago Med. This movie only made it into the wide releases and interesting indies because it does look interesting, uh, but, just, but just interesting enough to make it here. I have no idea who Bolden is. I know I have quite a few listeners in the New Orleans area, so maybe one of you knows. Uh, maybe one of you is familiar with Buddy Bolden. And not to diminish, not to try and minimize what Buddy Bolden did, what his career, what, what he did over his career, but he's not well known enough to get a huge release. So I think this is the right time that they can slip this in after Avengers Endgame. People who know about him and want to see a movie about him will go see it. After that, it'll go straight to a streaming service or anyone who wants to see it can rent it or buy it. This is a biopic, but also one part fantastical realism sort of thing in the sense of Big Fish. If you have seen Big Fish, which everyone should see Big Fish, you'll know what I'm talking about, where it just has this air of fantasy to it without without going too far into a genre film. Bolden looks like it has the same thing going on, maybe just not as heavy as Big Fish did it. This looks like a good movie, something that it would just be entertaining to watch, but nothing you should go out of your way to see. Bolden gets a 5.5 out of 11. All right, we have one more movie before the break, so let's talk about a film called El Chicano. A pair of twin brothers from East L.A. choose to live their lives differently and end up on opposite sides of the law. One of them takes up the mantle of a local legend, El Chicano, a vigilante that targets gang members. This stars Raul Castillo from Atypical, George Lopez from The George Lopez Show, Amy Garcia from Dexter, David Castaneda from Umbrella Academy, and Jose Pablo Cantillo from Crank. This movie spoke to me on some level that I don't quite understand. No, you know what? No, that is a lie. I think I understand why. It, this movie has a Punisher feel to it. It really does, but it's just set in this East L.A. setting where we have, instead of the Punisher, who's a you know, former, former military, out for revenge for his family, we have this guy who grew up in this violent area, this area that has a lot of gang activity, and decided to do something about it but just not the legal way. This is an action film, though not as heavy as an action film as something like The Rock or John Cena or Vin Diesel will do. This is more of an urban crime action film, which I like. I think this could be very entertaining, but just like the previous film, Bolden, this looks like something that you may enjoy it if you watch it, but I don't think you should seek it out unless something about it really resonated with you. I do think the idea of this person riding around on a on a chopper with a sawed-off shotgun killing gang members is pretty cool. That's a cool idea. And especially that it's this mantle that people take up over time. Maybe 
Raul Castillo's character, because I'm thinking Raul Castillo is El Chicano, but it doesn't even imply that all the El Chicanos know each other. Maybe someone becomes El Chicano and then either retires or dies, and then someone else picks up because they just feel the call. And I, I think this has promise to be a very interesting movie. El Chicano gets a 5.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the first part of the wide releases and interesting indies. Let us take our break, and we're going to hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast, and we'll come right back with the last five films in the wide releases and interesting indies section. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth Podcast employ a different approach. Wall to wall, filthy fucking language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the fuck did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every fucked up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of fucks and garnished with a crown of Shut the fuck up! How the fuck did we get here? Fuck all that a jelly bean. So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth right, podcast on back. iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online oh. at wympodcast.com. And remember, and swearing is caring, and so watch your mouth. artist form an unlikely bond which leads them to a profound scientific discovery. This stars real-life married couple Patrick J. Adams from Suits and Troy and Belisario from Pretty Little Liars. This movie looks cute. It does. And I would put it in the same category as I would the movie we talked about earlier in this segment, The Last Summer. But this one isn't as cliche as The Last Summer, but it still has that same kind of cute love story feeling to it. Though it also has a an element of science fiction to it, but not high science fiction where it's people in space, space battles, space opera sort of stuff, but more of a Michael Crichton-esque science fiction where it's all based on real stuff. My big question, which I really hope they cover in the movie, is Patrick J. Adams plays this astronomer who's looking for a sun that mimics our own or is very close to our own, in hopes of finding a planet capable of supporting life. A noble goal, if there ever was one. And he enlists the help of Troy and Belisario's character. And here's my question. How easy is her character's part of the job? Because not to diss artists. Artists are great. I consider myself an artist of sorts. But art and science though both are very important, are so different. Though it looks like in the trailer she's just looking at a bunch of pictures and just looking over his shoulder when he does sciencey stuff. So hopefully she's just trying to help him identify stuff in pictures in pictures that are printed out. Unless in her backstory she was an astronomy student until she realized art was her true calling. But with a movie like this, I wouldn't really hold it against it too much if they just threw her into this role and she's like, oh yeah, I can help you with science stuff. Just because that's not why you watch a movie like this. You watch a movie like this because it's a cute love story, or what we assume is going to be a cute love story. Because in this movie, Patrick J. Adams' character's wife dies, and he is sad, he is bitter about life, and then he meets Troy and Belisario, who comes into his life as a bright shining beacon of hope. The movie can go one of two ways, of course, where they do fall in love, which I'm pretty sure where it's going, or that they don't, but she just kind of shows him that life goes on. Either way, absolute worst case scenario, this movie looks cute. Best case scenario, cute 
and good. Clara gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Shadow. This is a Chinese martial arts or wuxia film about some king or general guy who has a lookalike trained to be a shadow and may or may not turn traitor. I don't really know because here's the thing. Every time I tried to find a, a premise for this, all it gave me was some convoluted bullshit about the director who's the same director for house of flying daggers for hero for great martial arts movies house of flying daggers was wonderful hero great movie this guy knows what he's doing but the only thing it looks like he can't do or at least the people behind the press for this movie can't do is write a premise but when it comes to a movie like this what do you really need to know you need to know one thing it's a martial arts movie and it looks badass that's it. I once watched this martial arts movie called Versus, and the premise is the stupidest thing I have ever heard. That's a lie, but it was really stupid. But I loved it because it was awesome. There's also this movie called Princess Blade that I watched that was equally stupid in terms of plot, but in terms of martial arts, awesome. True, those two movies I mentioned were Japanese. This movie is Chinese, but it's it's the same genre. You go into movies like this expecting the same stuff. You want to be impressed. You want to see action, but different action than you would get from a Fast and the Furious movie. Different action than you would get from an Avengers movie. A special type of action, a very specific type of movie that when you have an itch for it, only a certain type of film will scratch that itch and this is one of those. This looks like it's going to be really good. Maybe not as good as House of Flying Daggers and Hero, because those were fantastic movies, but at least entertaining. If you can find this in theaters, this may be one of those films that you do go to the theater to see. Just because this director is big on his wonderful visuals, as you should know, as you have probably seen one of his films. If not, fix that right away. Uh, the director's name is Imo Zhang. And, of course, House of Flying Daggers, Hero. Uh, he actually did Great Wall, which was really good for an action film. It was stupid in so many ways. It was very stupid in so many ways. But if you go into it watch, wanting to watch an action film, then you will leave happy. Either way, if you like action movies, if you like martial arts movies, this movie is worth being on your list. Shadow gets an 8 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called The Intruder. A young married couple buy a beautiful house on several acres of land only to find out that the man they bought it from refuses to let go of the property and becomes obsessed with the wife. This stars Michael Ealy from Takers, Megan Good from Debs, and Dennis Quaid from Frequency. So as Anne pointed out, this movie is a lot like that one from earlier called... Oh, what was it called again? Room for Rent, the one with Lynn Shay, where someone rents out, in this case, the person sold his house and he can't let it go. But this is another movie that we've kind of seen before. And normally I would want to see it because it's Dennis Quaid. I like him a lot. And also pointed out that this movie is a lot like one called The Resident from 2011, starring Hilary Swank, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, Lee Pace, and Christopher Lee, or Sir Christopher Lee. But this is a familiar movie. We've seen this before. And from what I saw in the trailer, it didn't really do much to tell me that's going to be any different from any of the other movies. Even though Dennis Quaid is a good actor, even though Michael Ealy and Megan Good are, are good as well, it just didn't do enough to sell me. This movie is just too familiar and I cannot recommend it. 
The Intruder gets a 4.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, two movies left before we wrap this up and get into the question of the week. And the next movie is called Ugly Dolls. Free-spirited ugly dolls confront what it means to be different, struggle with a desire to be loved, and ultimately discover who you truly are is what matters the most. This features the voices of, in no particular order, Kelly Clarkson, Nick Jonas, Janelle Monae, Blake Shelton, Pitbull, Gabriel Iglesias, Wanda Sykes, Charlie XCX, and boyfriend abuser Emma Roberts. And as you can see by that cast, this movie is exactly what I said it was going to be. Just some sad attempt to make a movie that really doesn't have much substance, but sell it on its soundtrack. Featuring original songs by Kelly Clarkson, Nick Jonas, you know, so on and so forth. And basically just tells you the cast, except for like what, Gabriel Iglesias, Wanda Sykes, and Emma Roberts. And here's... Here's why I don't give Disney movies the same crap, because, you know, when Moana comes out, when uh, came out, when we had Tangled or when we had Frozen come out, those movies were really sold their soundtrack, but they had more to offer than their soundtrack. This movie really doesn't. If you watch most of the trailers, it will always feature the music, just like the Trolls movie did. One of my friends is a mother and her daughter loves Trolls, uh, loves a Trolls movie, and she says it's really not that bad. I'm like, that that's not a glowing recommendation. Not that bad coming from a mother or father isn't a good recommendation when it comes to a kid's movie because you're forced to watch all these kids' movies. Probably a lot of them are shitty. And not that bad doesn't make me want to see this. And I think that's what Ugly Dolls is going to be if you're a parent. If you if you are a parent and you take your kids to see movies like this, I don't think you'll hate it. I really don't. I don't think this is going to be horrible i just think it's going to be mediocre at best and i think you will enjoy parts of it and you might laugh a bit and compared to some of the other crap that your kids may watch this may be up there but that doesn't make it a good movie at all i always say that i only base my my judgment on these movies off the trailers and i don't think that's a bad thing at all because that's how a movie presents itself that they are trying to sell themselves to us so if a movie with a big cast well, big quote unquote cast and a not bad looking animation style can't sell themselves well enough, then f- it. If you have kids, maybe see this movie. This looks like the best one out for now. Ugly Dolls gets a three out of 11. And finally, my future fans, we are at the pick of the week. So say it with me if you know it. The pick of the week is called Long Shot. When Fred Flaherty reunites with his first crush, one of the most influential women in the world, Charlotte Field, he charms her. As she prepares to make a run for the presidency, Charlotte hires Fred as her speechwriter and sparks fly. This stars Charlize Theron from Mad Max Fury Road, Seth Rogen from This Is The End, June Diane Raphael from The Disaster Artist, O'Shea Jackson Jr. from Straight Outta Compton, Ravi Patel from Master of None, Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad, and I didn't know that he was Bob from Mr. Show with Bob and David. I did not know that. Anyway... Also stars Andy Serkis from Rise of the Planet of the Apes, Randall Park from Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Alexander Skarsgård from True Blood. And I really want to see this. The question is, when? Because I really don't think this is a movie, a theater watch. Just like uh, Blockers, just like just like Instant Family, just like Game Night. This looks good. It looks like it's going to be funny, but it's not the type of movie you need to see. I bet you when this comes out on DVD, I could buy it 
So save money, especially when you think of a ticket for me, a ticket for my wife, and the drink I'll get there. So saving money and still enjoy it and be able to watch it again whenever I want. This looks entertaining and it looks like the best choice for this week. And it also brings up some interesting things. Part of this movie is going to be that they're starting to hit it off, but some of the people in her campaign are saying, hey, look at this guy. Look at you. You have an image. And that is something that is unfortunately part of our psyche as Americans. We we care, if not consciously, then subconsciously, we care about like that. Is it a little bit sexist? Probably, because the president can be a bucket of yuck, but the first lady has to have something about her, if not attractive, has to be charismatic, has to be, uh, like in the case of Hillary Clinton, really into politics and, and trying to do good, whether or not you think she did. So really, how would America react to one of their presidential candidates dating, so not even married, but dating someone that's younger than them, because in the movie, she was his babysitter when they were both younger. So dating someone that is not physically attractive, wasn't terribly successful, didn't go to some big shot school, is younger than uh, younger than her. And so all these things, I think America would care no matter how much we claim that it's the issues that really matter. So I think this movie will bring up some interesting real life points, but for the most part, this is a rom-com albeit a mildly topical rom-com, but a rom-com nonetheless. Though I wouldn't call it a rom-com in the sense that it is a stereotypical one, not at all. But we have to be honest, this is going to be a comedy, though not a 21 Jump Street level comedy, and it's going to be a romance, but not like some of that Nicholas Sparks bullshit romance. So this movie looks like it's going to straddle a couple genres pretty well, have parts of them in it, but not full-on be belong in any one of them. And the good thing is, with the people in it, it will be easy to tell if you want to see this or not. Some people really don't like Seth Rogen. Okay, don't watch it. Done. Some people don't like Charlize Theron. Done. Don't watch it. There we go. But for the rest of us, if we see a movie in theaters this week that isn't Avengers Endgame, I think this should be it. I think it looks entertaining, and it's going to be fun. It's going to be one of those movies that I talk about all the time that is not going to be a great movie in any technical sense, but it will be entertaining. And since this is Hollywood putting this out, I bet you that, what's her name again? Charlotte Field is going to be a Democrat. So I'd like it if the, if her main opponent on the other side was this old Jewish dude. But if for some weird reason, Hollywood made a movie about a Republican candidate that isn't making fun of them, then I hope her opponent is some old former reality star that just happens to be a billionaire or millionaire. Because I think that would keep it just current enough to be entertaining, but not piss off too many people. The long shot gets an 8.5 out of 11. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the question of the week, which, if you need a reminder, was what main villain or what big storyline would you like to see for the next saga in the MCU? So let us go to the answers we got. We mainly got answers on Instagram, nothing on SoundCloud or Twitter that I saw. You know what? Let me just double check again, just to make sure I'm not missing something from Critter. Okay, let's see. All right, so I double checked Twitter, double checked SoundCloud, uh, Facebook, the website. So the only answers we got are on Instagram. So let us start with Walker, who says one word, doom. Or should I say, doom? Wow, that sounded so much better since I'm sick. Actually, what I should do 
is record a bunch of uh, a bunch of sound bites when my voice is like this, just so I have it on hand. Yes, Walker, great answer. Uh, I will dive into that a little bit more after I talk about all the other answers. Uh, we have Frat Matt. Frat Matt says Galactus. Another great answer. And Vegan Dan says at this point, I don't know. Maybe it's time for a team up of villainy led by Doom. So here's the interesting thing: is that this is possible now? Because tell me. What do Dr. Doom and Galactus have in common? If you said they are villains for the Fantastic Four, you are right. Okay, it's true. I know that they, they're not just villains for the Fantastic Four, but Galactus and Dr. Doom are really known for being Fantastic Four villains. Fantastic Four, until recently, was owned by Fox, so this is nothing Disney could have done. So had Disney never purchased Fox, they would have had to just go a completely different storyline. And I think they should have done, or maybe even still do, M-Day. Just do M-Day, but without any of the X-Men or any of the Fantastic Four, or any Fox properties in it. M-Day, if you don't remember, was centered around Scarlet Witch. She was getting too powerful, and then I believe she was starting to lose her mind, and then I believe she killed a bunch of people, so there were all there all these heroes were getting together to meet to vote on should they kill Scarlet Witch or should they not. Quicksilver hears about this, lets her know, and then she says three words that change the world, no more mutants. And all the mutants, except those within her sphere of influence, like those at the meeting, all mutants or people of powers just lost their powers. And it was this big event, and I think that could have been something that would have been really cool to do. But now that Disney owns all the Fox properties, now this is when we bring in someone like Galactus, someone like Doom. But here's the thing, Kevin Feige said that we're not gonna see the X-Men or Fantastic Four for a while. But the question is, how long is a while? Is it just a few years? Will we start hearing about it maybe in 2020, 2021, that they're starting to work on something? Because what they could do is still build projects, build these movies, introduce new characters slowly, and then start revealing that, oh, this is Dr. Doctor Doom's behind this, oh, Galactus is behind this, and then introduce Fantastic Four, and then introduce X-Men. Even though there aren't a lot of Thanos-level villains in Marvel, there's a lot you could do, but if they wanted one villain, I think Galactus and Doctor Doom would be great choices. Doctor Doom especially, because if anyone can do Doctor Doom correctly, it's going to be the MCU. It's going to be Disney. We have never seen Doctor Doom done right. We have had two good actors play Doctor Doom, but they were given shit to work with. Doctor Doom was a shitty character in, in all of the times we saw him. You know who else they could do now that they have the Fox properties is Mr. Sinister. That would be pretty cool. I think they should stay away from the Phoenix Force because this next movie that's coming out or the final Fox comic movie that's coming out, Dark Phoenix, looks awful, like I've said many times before. So we need a we need a big buffer to get that horrible taste out of our mouths before Disney tries to do it themselves and hopefully does it right. But Mr. Sinister would be another good idea. But also, they could just do a storyline that may not have one main villain. Like I said, they could do M-Day. They can do Secret Wars. They can do Heroic Age. Um, they can do House of M. I don't know if House of M and M-Day are different. Let me look. Okay, so House of M takes place after M-Day. Okay, but see how much they have to work with, how much potential there is? If you just look at the cover. All right, ladies and gentlemen, full disclosure, I just recorded about a minute, two minutes of... Uh, me talking about this 
and accidentally gave two major spoilers for Endgame. But as you can hear, I have caught my error and I'm not going to spoil it for you. But how awful would that have been if I gave that huge rant about people spoiling movies and then accidentally spoil it for you right now? Okay, but I caught myself, so yay. But let's wrap this up. Um, House of M would be cool. There's just so many different storylines that involve so many people from the Marvel Universe in it that they could just pick any one. And even if, let's say, even if Captain Marvel wasn't in House of M, somehow work her in, work Black Panther in. That would be super cool. And one thought about Frat Matt's answer with Galactus. I was super excited to see Galactus in in, uh, the Fantastic Four 2 Rise of the Silver Surfer just to find out that it was a gigantic space fart that was just some cloud. Now that Disney owns the Fox properties, there's so much potential to undo all the bad that Fox did. I mean, Fox did do some good stuff too. Fox brought us Deadpool. Deadpool's awesome. Fox brought us the original two X-Men movies. Those were good. Fox chose the correct cast for the original Fantastic Four movie. That cast was great. It just so happens everything else was bad. But now that it's safely in Disney's hands, they can do a good job. But I just really look forward to see where where they go from here. But here here's another question I have. Are they even going to do another big saga like this? But also they have time to think about that too, because if you look back, look back to 2008 when Iron Man came out, I really don't think they had everything planned out for the Infinity Saga. True, hints were dropped in all of those earlier movies for where we eventually got, but those hints were vague, so they could have switched gears on us too. So as the next round of Marvel movies start coming out, they do have time to think about where they're going, but hopefully... Hopefully, one of these suggestions that we got from Walker, Vegan Dan, and Frat Matt, hopefully one of those will be what they do. Or my suggestion, M-Day, Secret Wars, um, Heroes Reborn. I think that's what it's called. There's just a lot of promise, and it could be really cool. All right, future fans, we need a new question of the week. And I found this one a little hard. I'm not quite sure if I've asked this one yet, but if I have already asked it and you did answer, maybe you have a different answer now. We'll see. But here we go. Which children's movie can you still watch over and over? And please make sure your answer is a children's movie, not just something you watched as a kid. Like, Anne just asked me if mine would be Ghostbusters. And even though I watched that a lot as a kid, it's not a kid's movie. So make sure it's actually made for children and then tell me which kid's movie could you still watch today. And just a quick note before we end the show, uh, there will not be a show next week for personal reasons. But of course, my pick for next week should be obvious. Detective Pikachu is coming out, and it looks amazing. And I tell you right now, I know all I need to know. Detective Pikachu gets an 11 out of 11. That is how certain I am that it's going to be a thoroughly enjoyable film. Also coming out is The Hustle with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. All is True with Kenneth Branagh. Uh, Palms with Diane Keaton about a cheerleading squad in a retirement community. We have Tolkien, The Biggest Little Farm, which is a documentary. Some movie called My Son, a movie called Charlie Says, which is the Matt Smith, Charles Manson movie. It's not a bad week for movies, but Detective Pikachu looks like the best one. If you don't like Pokemon at all, then The Hustle looks funny. Tolkien, if you're interested in watching a biopic about him, looks interesting. And Charlie Says looks demented. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for this episode. Let us wrap this all up. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. 
Google Play and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That's somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please, or a like, and then share the podcast. Share the podcast with your friends. That is how we grow. And how do you reach me? That is a wonderful question. I'm so glad you asked. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. Leave a comment on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please don't forget to support us on Patreon. If you have a, a little extra spending cash each month, we'd appreciate it. Once again, there are two tiers, a dollar where we say thank you, and five dollars where you can have one of the hosts of any of the shows in our network say something of your choice once a month, something of your choice within reason. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast, also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy site for all of our latest blogs and news. And yes, my Endgame review is officially posted. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future. <laughs>